Listen to these people, Ricky. You're a winner. You got the gift. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. Nick Bergman in Las Vegas, victory lane for Fox Television. Ricky Bobby, today's big winner. A heck of a win for you today, but it seems as if you either win or crash the car trying to win. Well, Dick, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. You know what I'm talking about? That phrase is trademarked, not to use it as a tradition Ricky Bobby Inc. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. If you ain't first, you're last. It's so wrong. Like, you can be second, you can be eighth. Like, the billboard has 100 places you can be. Doesn't that sound wrong? Doesn't sound wrong. It's just a big pile of shit. I'm always first, baby. <laughs> you can piss excellence and still be 10th, can't you? <laughs> Sonny, I piss excellence. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> totally reminds me of Terry Glaze. Every time I hear that now, all I hear is Terry saying, I piss excellence. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Did you really go see Slipknot the other night? Dude, I had a fun time at the Slipknot Knot Fest at Stravaganza. It was uh, completely ridiculous and almost sold out. Yeah, that was an interesting adventure since that was the first time I'd ever seen Slipknot. I'm not a huge fan, and I'm still not a huge fan. I think their show is cool to see. I think they've got a cool presentation, but if the music doesn't follow it up, then it doesn't work for me, and that music, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm about, uh, I like about 20% of what I've heard from Slipknot. It's just, it's not always as melodic as I want it. Stone Sour, I like a hell of a lot more. To be honest, I haven't spent a whole lot of time with Stone Sour. For me to say that I don't like Stone Sour, probably not fair, but I maybe could have found one, possibly two songs in the Slipknot set that I thought were all right. Uh, the opening band was this band from Poland called Bohemoth, which essentially is just like a satanic thrash, black metal, death. I, I don't know. I didn't like them. They painted up their faces, but it was just thrashy, crazy incoherent noise to me so sorry uh if we've got bohemoth fans out there i didn't dig it but you do you boo uh <laughs> let's see second on the bill was this band gochia what is it gorchia i always call them gordia <laughs> 
but they're they're getting pretty big these days and people like them quite a bit. Uh, I thought there was some of the stuff that I thought was all right. I didn't love it. Third on the bill was Volbeat. Volbeat is kind of hit or miss for me. I didn't like a ton of stuff that I'd heard previously. I don't know what it is, maybe his voice or something, but I did like the new single that they had released off this upcoming record. I really liked that song and live, truthfully, I thought they were actually the best out of all the bands. I thought they put on a great show. I thought some of the music was really good. They're a band that I would probably give um, some more attention to and spend a little bit more time with the records before I really pass judgment on them. That's just my take. And then Slipknot closed the night and I already gave you my opinion about that. So that was my Slipknot Knot Fest adventure. How many people? Um, somewhere around the neighborhood of 11 to 12 K. Wow. People painted up and all that painted up wearing masks, all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a lot like the kiss culture, only much dirtier and grungier, uh, and with shittier songs. That's not very nice. Dude, it's just my opinion. I know there's a lot of Slipknot fans out there, and again, you do you, but I think the problem with all these bands that were influenced by the Kisses and the Merciful Fates and the Alice Coopers of the world that took things from their show and wanted to present a great show, I think that's admirable. I think it's great. The difference is bands like Kiss and Alice Cooper had good songs, songs you could latch onto, memorable songs, even if they were simplistic songs. These bands have nothing for me. It's just noise. A show with just noise is just, I don't shit. I don't don't know what what else to say. I'm I'm not entertained uh, or I'm only entertained for a short period of time, I guess is, is my point. Wow. All right. Well, let's forget all that and let's get into some great music because we got a ton of it coming your way and we got a bunch to talk about. So let's get to... It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So today's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from an artist named Murano. Dwayne Murano is a guitar player. I couldn't find a whole bunch of information on this dude. There's not a ton of stuff in his bio, but he recently put out this album called Incognito. And it's sort of like what Slash did with his first album, where he put out this great album and every song had like a different singer. Murano's kind of the same thing. He put out this album Incognito, and I think Murano is actually a band, and Dwayne Murano, the guitar player, is the leader, but he had all of these guys play on his record. And there are some great songs on this record. I like almost all of the 13 songs that are on this record are really great hard rock, melodic rock songs. He had people like Nina Strauss, Pat Badger from Extreme, Tony Franklin, guys like Terry Alou from XYZ and Danny Vaughn singing. 
Bill Laverty from Firehouse doing backup vocals. Just a great combination of people on this record. This song is just awesome, and it's the first song on the record. I'm going to share with everybody a song called After the Love is Gone featuring Danny Vaughn on vocals. Check it out. This is Dwayne Morano from the band Morano, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen in Hollywood. Now crank that shit up.
So I've been following on Spotify and MelodicRock.com and Despo Geek, just trying to keep up on all the stuff that's coming out. This came out about three months ago, if I got it right. And I remember listening to it, and I'm like you. I liked all 13 songs. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I got something from his press guy not too long ago saying that he was playing some dates with Tesla. But I just, I don't know anything about this dude. It's not like, hey, this is the guitar player that was in Taiketo or this is the guitar player that was in, Ta-. you know, it's not. He doesn't have a background to my knowledge. Yeah, I don't know anything about him either. But uh, man, he can rip on guitar. That's for sure. And he's obviously got a lot of friends. He got all these people to play on this record, so... Yeah, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. So, you know, when I get ideas, um, the reason I'm sighing is they can be tiring ideas because I'll get this crazy thought in my head and then it gets so big as I'm doing it that I won't let it go and then I can be a dog with a bone and have to finish it and when I'm done, it's like, man, is this complicated. So I had this idea of, I want to talk about guitar-driven rock that maybe didn't make it to number one, but was close. And I'm like, well, most of the stuff would have been between 80 and 89. So that's kind of what I went with. And when I started researching it, man, there was tons of songs. Like if you just pulled what we would consider rock and hard rock bands, you got all kinds of ballads and blah, blah, blah. Some made number one, some didn't. Some hit the top hundred, some didn't, and there's hundreds and hundreds of them. So I had to figure out a way to kind of taper it down. So what I did was took all the ballads off the list so Stephen doesn't go shoot himself. Then, because <laughs> I wanted Stephen to listen to all these, uh, and then I said, okay, if it made the top 30 at some point, I want to talk about it. If it ended up on like the year-end top 100 list for that year, I kind of want to talk about it. So the hard part about it is deciphering what a guitar-driven hard rock song is, what's a ballad, what's mid-tempo. Like, I don't know if I got all that perfect, but when it was all said and done, I landed on 47 songs. Then what we did was, because we were at the Rockin' Pod, we made this survey And we had people take the survey and just kind of rank the songs, you know, no super duper ranking. It was basically rank the song one through five, one being basically yuck. I hate it. Two being, eh, it's okay. Meh. You know, we say meh a lot. Three means, you know, I listen to it when it comes on kind of like I wouldn't kick her out of bed kind of thing. Uh, four meaning, Hey, I really like that song. And five being, I can't live without that song. That would be a song that would be on my last playlist to listen to before I die kind of thing. So we got some surveys done at the Rockin' Pod, and then I put a post out saying, hey, if you want to do the survey, just send me your email on direct message, and I'll send you the survey, and a bunch of people did the survey. So that creates a bunch of stats. I can be a math nerd, and that's when it got kind of complicated, so we'll talk you through all of it. But that's kind of what we're going to do today. So how's that sound so far? Sounds like Point Dexter put on his fucking horn-rimmed glasses and went to work on making a bunch of stats for me to dig through. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I figured the number thing would have kind of drove you nuts, so I'm going to do my best to simplify that a bit. But I'll tell you, the Billboard 100, Radio Top 40, MTV, that's what shaped what I think melodic music is, and that's why I love R&B, rap at times, the boy bands, hip-hop, I like a lot of pop music, I like rock, symphonic metal, and a bunch of other stuff. Knowing this may be true for the listeners, too, we asked our surveyees to think about how you feel about the song today. 
basically hasn't stood the test of time. And of course, because they answered one through five, I was able to add all the stuff up and average it. And what you are going to hear today is the ranking of how it averaged out worst to best. Another way to look at it is the songs at the bottom of the list probably never deserved to be number one. And probably the top 10 songs on this list most believe should have made it to number one, but didn't for some reason. And you and I will give our thoughts on why we think that may have happened. I spent a lot of uh, the last two days going through the Spotify playlist and just listening to this list. And I knew the songs when I took your survey, and I'm interested to see what my opinion is of it today versus when I did that survey, you know, what, three weeks ago or whatever. Let's get to the list here. Coming in at number 47 is Billy Idol's To Be A Lover. So the song got released like 86, 87. It was a cover song from 1968 written by William Bell and Booker T. Jones. Neither one of us gave it a great rating. You actually rated it a whopping one. And uh, he even asked us in the song to have mercy, but uh, we <laughs> didn't. And 21% of the people who took the survey said yuck too. So not very many people like that song. Boring. Boring. Number 46, Cheap Trick, Don't Be Cruel. Otis Blackwell cover from 56. Again, one of us gave a yuck rating. That was me because Elvis did it much better. Don't be cruel. Didn't need a power pop version, especially not as a single. 21% of the people, by the way, agreed with me. So give me your thoughts on these two songs, uh, Don't Be Cruel and To Be A Lover. And I'm assuming you didn't love Billy Idol's sexy voice. No, I listened to it again. That's exactly what I just said. Boring. That song's just boring as hell. Cheap Tricks, Don't Be Cruel. I agree with you. I mean, it's a much cooler song coming from Elvis. One thing I think you're going to find, I may be wrong, but just my initial impression is that there seem to be a handful of cover songs on this list that we're going to go through today. I'm not sure any of them fared really well, but Don't Be Cruel, meh. Cheap Tricks got much better songs. Yeah, you know what their only number one hit was ever? The Flame? Yep, pretty crazy. So number 45, ZZ Top with Sleeping Bag. Man, I had not heard this song in a while. I don't honestly think it's that bad, but 21% of the people who took the survey said yuck, and I get it, lots of synth, but you know, everything ZZ Top at that time did. So believe it or not, this song got to number eight in 86, so... At number 44, Rolling Stones with Undercover of the Night. I get it. It's not exactly classic Stones. It's okay to me. 17% of the people who took the survey said yuck. But believe it or not, it got to number nine. And I'm assuming that's just name recognition, most likely. And then at number 43, Heart with their first. They have a bunch on this list. Never. Written by Holly Knight, Gene Block, Anna Nancy Wilson, Sue Ennis. Both of us were kind of middle of the road on this one. And for a lazy chorus, I think it's kind of catchy and kills the vocal. She probably kills every vocal. That's probably true on everything. Um, give me your thoughts on Sleeping Bag, Undercover the Night, and Never. On Sleeping Bag, the 80s had this particular synth bass sound, and it is definitely prevalent on Sleeping Bag. Gave it a three, so I, I, I stand by that three. I think it's a pretty good song. I actually enjoyed it, but it's definitely not classic ZZ Top to me. Undercover of the Night, I remember the dirty, gritty video that they had for that, which was kind of like a dark 80s drug dealing video. I actually liked Undercover of the Night. Hearts Never, you know, I like the song. I think it's okay. Uh, there were songs on that record that I thought were better than Never. Uh, These Dreams, for instance, I think is a better tune than Never, personally. That's just how I feel. Yeah, These Dreams was a number one hit, but, uh, you know, it's a ballad. 
Okay, so the first song we're going to play, Diane Warren penned this hit, and again, kills the vocal, memorable chorus and vocal melody. I gave it a five. This is on my can't live without list. You only gave it a three, but you know, sometimes you suck. The song got to number seven, and you know what? Just make your own decision here. Here is Heart with the hit song, Who Will You Run To?
right, so here's the perfect example of grading or taking a survey without listening to the music and going on what your memory is versus listening to the song and then grading it. Who Will You Run To is a fantastic song. Definitely liked it better than never. Forgot about this song or forgot how much I liked this song. So when I listened to this uh, song today, I would definitely kick my three up to a four. Loved it. All right, let's talk about the next couple. Number 41, Dire Straits, Walk of Life. Nobody gave this song a five. I'm meh. You gave it a surprising four. I was surprised. Nothing about Dire Straits to me is really any good. It's all just meh. Number 40, Sticks with Mr. Roboto. So the musical theater sounding, right? Probably ended the band when they split up there, uh, starting everybody's solo careers. And um, I've actually always been okay with the song, to be honest. It got to number three behind Come On Eileen at number two, and it was never going to be Billie Jean at number one. You gave it a four, which you obviously like the song. 12% of the people absolutely hate the song. And then at number 39, Pat Benatar with Love is a Battlefield. Um, my intro to Pat Benatar, honestly, and a great song, but over the years, you just hear it a ton. So I gave it a three, you gave it a two, but it made it to number five. And maybe the grading wasn't all that great because it's kind of burnout mode. So give me your thoughts on Walk of Life, Mr. Roboto, and Love is a Battlefield. All right. So the Dire Straits Walk of Life, obviously with Dire Straits, they don't have a ton of stuff that I like. I'm not a huge Dire Straits fan. I much more prefer Money for Nothing. What I like about this song in particular and why I gave it a four is because it has a happy feel to it. The chord progression is a happy song. Uh, Sticks, Mr. Roboto. When this song first came out, I really did not like this song. I think there's some really good songs on the record. Kilroy is here takes a beating, undeservingly takes a beating. I saw this concert live. I thought it was a cool idea. I thought it was a great show live. And recently, I saw Sticks bring Mr. Roboto back into the set as an encore. And let me just tell you, live and as an encore, it was freaking awesome. Unstoppable. And now when I hear that song, there are parts of it that I don't like, but there are a lot of parts of it that I do like. And again, it's a song that at this point, emotionally and from memory, kind of makes me happy because that was a good period of my life when this record came out. That's why that song gets a four for me. Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield absolutely am a diehard Pat fan. Love Pat Benatar. Read her book. I told you that some of her music was my early gateway into hard rock music. However, Love is a Battlefield, not one of my more favorite songs. That's why that garnered, what did I give that? I gave that a two. I stand by that too. Okay, so let's spend a minute on this number 38. Van Halen's Oh Pretty Woman. It's the first song on this list that both of us gave a yuck. Both had gave a whopping one. And then 19% of our closest friends also gave the same thing. I just think this pussifies Van Halen. I, you can't possibly like this song any better today. Well, you know I'm a huge Van Halen fan. And not only am I a huge Van Halen fan, but you're talking about Diver Down era David Lee Roth Van Halen. I don't like the original version of this song, and I don't really like 
the Van Halen version of the song. I just don't care. It's just not a great song for me. And the intruder intro at the beginning doesn't make it any better. It's just, I don't know, I, I pass. <laughs> I got a bunch of other stuff to choose from, from good era of Van Halen. And even off of that record that takes a beating, uh, I can find a lot better music than that. So, All right. So the next couple coming in at number 37. So remember there was 47 songs, right? So our surveys rank this one 37th, Foreigners Say You Will. And uh, really no reason to hate on this song. And no one really hated on this song. Nobody gave it a yuck at all. It was more like meh plus. Uh, but you got to admit, Lose the Man, it's a catchy tune, got all the way to number six, but it couldn't beat out So Emotional by Whitney Houston, couldn't beat out The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson, or In Excess Need You Tonight. Uh, number 36 on the list, Mr. Mellencamp with R-O-C-K in the USA. I don't know why you needed to spell it, but whatever. The song got to number two, believe it or not, behind Rock Me Amadeus. Uh, I've always liked the song. You gave it a two. I was surprised. Years later, Mellencamp kind of got like saved the farmers. Government sucks. So I kind of lost interest, but I liked Mellencamp at the beginning. So give me your thoughts on Say You Will and R-O-C-K in the USA. I love Foreigner. Foreigner 4 was almost a desert island record for me. In high school, that was an important record in my hard rock development. When they put out Agent Provocateur, which I think is what Say You Will was on. Yeah, I just wasn't a huge fan. I thought it was such a drawback after 404. I really hated that. Uh, I want to know what love is and Say You Will. It's okay. I mean, I, I stand by my two. I think it's okay. I won't turn up the volume to it. R-O-C-K in the USA. I think it's a fun song. Probably if I was going to rate it today, it would be in between maybe a two and a three. I think it's okay. The problem is from two to three, it's I listen when it comes on. I, I don't know. It depends on how I'm feeling that day. So <laughs> Sometimes you don't feel like rocking in the USA? Yeah, yeah, exactly, I guess. <laughs> or or rocking in the USA has a little bit different tone to me than what uh, Mellencamp thinks it is. So number 35, Jay Giles' band, Freeze Frame. Obviously very keyboard and synth heavy. It only got twos from us. Um, the song actually got to number four because just the super catchiness, but it wasn't going to beat out like Physical by Olivia Newton-John or Private Eyes and I Can't Go For That by Hall Notes. But then a little bit later, Jake Isles did hit number one with Centerfold, uh, which I thought was a better song anyway. 34, we have another Mellencamp song, Lonely Old Night, and you still gave it a two, and it's better than ROCK in the USA, so you suck. And then at 33, your buddy David Lee Roth with California Girls. <sighs> I remember when this song first came out, I'm like, what the hell is this? Thank God he left Van Halen if this is what they were going to become. But somehow this shitty song got to number three behind only Can't Fight This Feeling at number two and Careless Whisper at number one. Unbelievable. What were your thoughts on the shitty California girls, the much better Lonely Old Night that you hate, and Freeze Frame? Again, I'm going to change my rating on Freeze Frame. Freeze Frame goes from a two to a three for me. I listened to it today. This album was really important in my ninth grade year. So it started with Centerfold for me, uh, and Freeze Frame was the other part of that. I forgot how much I really enjoyed this song. So Freeze Frame and Centerfold, love them. 
I would definitely change that from a two to a three on that. Lonely Old Night, I actually like ROCK in the USA better. There's a whole ton of other Mellencamp that I like better than those two songs. So that's why it gets two from me. It's okay. It's not great. It's just okay. California Girls. I'm a big Beach Boys fan. Love the original California Girls. When this came out by David Lee Roth, I had the same reaction as Sonny. I was like, what the hell? But now all these years later and putting it into context, I just think it's a fun song. You know, it fits Dave's personality. I remember the video. I remember all the beautiful women. Loved it, loved it, loved it. At this point, I just, I'm, I'm like, it's okay. I'm not freaking out about it, but I don't hate it. So there you go. Let's talk about number 31 and 32, which were both Def Leppard songs. 32 was Pour Some Sugar On Me. 31 was Photograph. The party songs of all party songs with Pour Some Sugar On Me. It got to number two, Couldn't Beat Out, Hold On To The Nights by Richard Marks. Uh, I was surprised. 14% of the people who took the survey said yuck, but then 19% say they can't live without it. So it was kind of all over the board there. And then Photograph, you know, you could argue that this took Def Leppard to the stratosphere because it was on MTV constantly. I'm surprised it only got to number 12 on the Billboard 100. I was very, very surprised. Now, you got to remember, some of this was payola, some of it's timing. So um, it's tough to gauge sometimes why a song doesn't do that well. But it couldn't, it would have never got past like Africa from Toto or Down Under from Men at Work or Billie Jean from Michael Jackson. So there was a lot of competition at the time. But great song. Your thoughts on these two Def Leppard songs? Okay, so I think the simple reason that it never made it past any of those songs is you got to remember at the time Photograph came out, rock and roll, long hair rock and roll, hard rock was just kind of making its way, right? I mean, it was just kind of making its way through MTV, etc. So they weren't going to be able to displace bands like, you know, Toto and uh, Michael Jackson, exactly what you said a little bit earlier. So I think that's why it never made it to number one. Photograph, Pyromania, Desert Island record for me, without a doubt. Absolutely loved Pyromania. That was my gateway into Def Leppard. And Photograph was really one of the first hard rock videos that I remember being able to see. I mean, <laughs> the Union Jack shirt. I mean, it was phenomenal. Absolutely love it. Pour some sugar on me. Now, here's where I think some people get confused with why they do or don't like a song. I think Pour Some Sugar On Me just wore people out. I think they got tired of hearing about it, and so they confuse that sick of this song with actually not liking this song. I'm sick of Pour Some Sugar On Me, but I'll absolutely listen to this song when it comes on because I think it's a great song. There's a difference there. That's why both those songs for me got fours. Makes sense? Makes complete sense. Okay, number 30, Pat Benatar would Treat Me Right came out in 8081. We actually gave a lot of love, the two of us, to this song. Nothing wrong with a woman that wants to be treated right. You should treat your woman well. But the overall surveys put this thing at about a three. That's okay, I guess. Billy Squires' Rock Me Tonight was at number 29. And I really 
like the song, but if you remember, Squire himself blamed the career decline on the video for Rock Me Tonight, which showed him, you know, dancing around in a pink ripped t-shirt. And then Martha Quinn saying when it was released, a super fun video and super great song. Like Billy did not like that his stuff was super fun and super cool. Like he was trying to be a rocker. So, but you only gave that song a two, which I was surprised. So give me your thoughts on Rock Me Tonight and Treat Me Right. All right. So I'll start with Treat Me Right. Treat Me Right is more in line with what Pat Benatar was for me. This is a rock and roll song. Uh, this is her and Neil Giraldo at their best. Uh, well, let me take that back a step. This is her and Neil at a really good place. Not necessarily their best. Their best is a little bit later on down on this list. But I like Treat Me Right. I thought it was a good tune. Rock Me Tonight. So I'm going to strip away the video aspect, the pink shirt, all that shit. Let's take that out of the equation. Let's talk about the song. Rock Me Tonight. I listened to it again today. It's not a great song. I mean, if you put that up against uh, some of Billy's other work, The Stroke and uh, She's a Runner and Emotions in Motion and In the Dark. I mean, Billy is a rock and roll guy. He talks about Zeppelin being uh, some of his early influences. He writes rock records. That's great shit. Rock Me Tonight not great shit, not great rock and roll, not to me. So that's why it only got a two from me. It had nothing to do with videos or prancing around. Because we know you own that pink shirt. I do, and I prance around in front of the mirror once in a while while I'm eating Steve Wright's pretzels. (laughs) Nice. Love it. Love it. (laughs) All right, so it's been a while since we spun a song, so let's spin the song. Both of us gave the song a four- I like the pace, the feel, the vocal, the melody, the lyrics. 10% of the people hated it. 10% of the people can't live without it. All in all, great song written by Paul Dean and Bruce Fairbairn. Here is Loverboy with Hot Girls in Love. She likes to 
How can you go wrong with hot girls in love, baby? Uh, there's nothing wrong with hot girls in love, that's for sure. Especially when hot girls are in love with other hot girls. Oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Jesus, I'm going to stay away from that one. <laughs> All right. The views and opinions expressed by Stephen Michael do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Sunny Hollywood Pony or the Grown Up Rock podcast. Assumptions made by Stephen's analysis are not always correct. And since we are all just human beings, please forget everything said and forgive him. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Growing Ups of the Week. So we had... A bunch of people uh, share us, retweet us, take this survey. So just really want to give a shout out to all these folks. Paul Neighbors Jr., Eladio, Ken Mills, Tony Masalam, I Love It Loudcast, Digital Killed Radio Star, Live in Fallony, whatever that means, Guso, Scoli Coley, Rob Alanese, Ogata, P. Archie, Three Chord Kent, Philip Angel, Mark Alexander, Carol, Jonathan Scott, Mr. Cole Thornton, Lady Lake Music, Save Rock and Metal, Grayson Gallegos, Mike Parnell, Janet Eck, Ages of Rock Podcast, Craig Osborne, Dave Dutton, Fraser, Nazo Music, Dan Nation, Howard Robinson, Brian Davis, Mark Arnold, Nick Osenziak, Anne Marie Fazier, Andy LaFon, Kevin Packard, Diab Locore, Stanley Lives for You, Todd Herrig, Jason Bluski, Alan Deshawn, Daryl Albert, Music Palace Radio, Rich Cunningham, Kalen Provo, Rick Friel, Chris James A., Doug Middleton, Mark Winder 8, Russell Woodrum, Anthony Britt, Tony D., Sean Middleton, Rodney Dixon, Ryan Bannon, Jason Alexander, Kerry Morgan, Lecty216, Chris Sinzak, White Line Fever, Paul Korn, Rock Doc Wayne, Colin Houlihan, Shout It Out Loudcast, The Power Core Channel. Now here's the folks that filled out the survey. A fucko named Zeus, I call him fucko because he hates asylum, Alan Tate, Baco, BB, Bill Algy, Bill Elam, Brad Rustoven, Brian Harris, Curtis Lancos, David Cathy, David Glynn, David Hudson, Dennis Talbot, Eric Miller, Gary Cap, Heath Negley, Ivan Galesick, Jared Frank, Jason Kearney, Jeff Lavelle, Jeff Reed, Jesse, John Clark, Jonathan Scott, Keith Rochford, Lauren Carter, Mark Adams, Mark Weiss, Mike Williams, Peter Cissery, Scott Gull, Stephanie Temples, Steve English, Steve Wright, The Lovely Jen, the lovely Karen, Todd Cunningham, another fucko named Tommy who hates asylum, and Trevor McDougal. So all those folks who filled out the survey, obviously we did also. Uh, so thank you for that. And then thanks, Restrain, for all the bumper music. Stefano Vienna shared us because uh, we played him a couple of episodes ago. So appreciate that. Todd Poole shared us. Little Caesar shared us. Jeff Scott Soto shared us. So uh, it was a great couple of weeks. That is awesome, and I want to read a couple of reviews that we got in because uh, these people are just uh, awesome when they share their thoughts with us, and uh, one of the people I want to thank uh, right up front is um, Todd Herrig. Todd has been awesome in communicating with us, leaving us reviews, but Todd's also gone above and beyond, and he has actually contributed to our hosting fees and, and uh, made donations to the show because he enjoys it. And Todd, we really appreciate it. It doesn't take a lot 
a couple bucks here and there. It, we definitely appreciate it. It goes straight to putting out this show each and every week. And uh, we don't ask for a whole lot, but we definitely appreciate when that happens. And Todd left us a nice review, a five-star review. He said he looks forward each and every week when the adventures of Stephen and Hollywood, but most importantly, it's the music. Between the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight or one of their themed recommendations, uh, his bank account has taken a bit of a hit when searching to find copies of the music on Amazon and eBay. Keep rocking, fellas. Todd, we appreciate you. No doubt about that. Here's one that came from, I'm assuming, a young lady named Shelly. Shelly shared her story. She said she just had to send a message. She just started listening to the podcast and absolutely loves it. She's proud to say that she's, I don't know if she wants me to share her age, so I'm going to leave that out, uh, but her heart still belongs to rock. I'm the grown-up rock kid who's hero and crushes Van Halen, sort of the soundtrack of my life. Uh, she still loves going to concerts with her, with her friend and is a huge fan. It's nice to know there's people out there who think the same way she does about rock from the 70s and 80s. Keep up the awesome shows. There you go, Sonny. We got our first female fan other than, you know, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think we have more than that. That's not um, nice. I'm sure. I'm just, uh, you know, I like to kid. I kid. That's what I do. I kid. A couple of uh, really nice reviews. We appreciate that. And um, yeah, that's awesome. So at number 27, Bon Jovi enters the list with Born to Be My Baby. It got all the way to number three behind Tone Loke's Wild Thing and Paula Abdul's Straight Up. And I don't know what's wrong with people, but this is the best song in New Jersey, in my opinion. Awesome video, catchy, great chorus, and people put this at number 27. You gave it a two. You should be ashamed of yourself. At 26, we got the Eagles with a long run. This song's okay to me. Um, I know people like the Eagles a lot more than I do. I'm just kind of a casual fan. The song got all the way to number eight, and it's kind of at the middle of our list, so people are, aren't obviously totally in love with that song. And then at number 25, the worst Def Leppard song on this list, Armageddon It, just stupid. I cannot believe it got to number three behind Don't Rush Me and Two Hearts by Phil Collins. I gave it a yuck rating. You were at the opposite end. You gave it a four. But there's something about this song that just does not connect with me. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because Armageddon is supposed to be a serious word and they were making fun of it. I don't know what it is. But give me your thoughts on Born to Be My Baby, The Long Run, and Armageddon Born to be my baby, I might change a little bit of my rating from a two to a three on that. I listened to it again today. I felt like when I originally rated this, it was a little bit more ballady than it actually is. Uh, it's a great tune. I think I just got burned out on it a little bit, but I have nothing bad to say about it. It's a great tune. The Eagles, I absolutely love the Eagles. And when you see this documentary, when they recorded um, the long run record, the album, they, they were going through a lot of shit at that point. They were just about checked out. But still, to me, they wrote a fantastic song like The Long Run. And so I gave that a, a four. 
I love the Eagles. Eagles are definitely one of my guilty pleasures. I think they're an amazing vocal band that write kick-ass songs. Def Leppard, Armageddon It. I love this song. It's not a ballad. That's the first thing, <laughs> which is great. Whenever Def Leppard stays away from ballads, I usually like it. So I gave it a four. I mean, it's just a good song. That's it. That's all I have to say about that. So Ian Hunter's Once Bitten, Twice Shy done by great white comes in number 24 now ian hunter's probably still getting paychecks and probably bought a mansion with it and while great white's like playing the local asparagus festival like that's too bad but uh the song got to number five it wasn't going to beat stuff like she drives me crazy or like a prayer but uh it is the token song that i hear done at karaoke by people who cannot sing so ian hunter i would have never heard this song if great white hadn't done it so good for them 23rd on the list zz top's leg it was kind of meh for everybody. Everybody was kind of like in the three range. I wouldn't even know who ZZ Top is if it wasn't for legs. The video was hot, hot for sure. And I get it, it's a lot of synth and probably just burnout for most, but uh, I really actually like the song. And then the aforementioned Billy Squires' The Stroke comes in at number 22. You know, is this song about self-pleasure? Because it sounds like it when you read the lyrics, and it was a charting hit. In today's culture, this thing probably would have been shunned with a Me Too movement or something. I like it, but how the song got to number 17 with a song about self-pleasure I'm in 81? I, wow. Good for Billy, I guess. Give me your thoughts on Once Bitten, Twice Shy, Legs, and The Stroke. Once Bitten, Twice Shy, meh. Great White, to me, I started out with the first Great White record, which was pretty much a heavy metal album. When you see that they were there and went to this, definitely meh for me. ZZ Top Legs, I think my rating on this, it's a good song, but there's a little bit of a burnout factor on this song, as opposed to something like Sleeping Bag, which I didn't hear near as much as uh, Legs. And Billy Squire, The Stroke. Talk about self-pleasuring. Uh, what year did Shebop come out? Oh, yeah. Well, I was like 84, I think, right? Uh, I don't know. It had to be in and around that period of time. So, I mean, there's been sex songs coming out forever and a day. You just don't always know that that's uh, what they're talking about in the lyrics. So, Yeah, but even in Shebop, she's not like, thump it, thump it. Thump. Like, all he's saying is stroke, stroke. I can't believe people are singing this thing out loud. Dude, you, you, it's where your mind took it. You're just a dirty-minded <laughs> person. That's all you think about is stroke. Oh, I mean, boy. It, isn't stroke what they yell to the rowboat rower guys? Uh, yeah, uh, I guess. Oh, is, is that row? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so our first serious disagreement on this sheet comes in at number 21, so it was more than halfway up the list. So people do not agree with your yuck rating on Golden Earrings Twilight Zone. So I want to know why you hate this song, because I think it's awesome. I give two shits, first of all, what other people think. They're all wrong. We've already made that point wow. absolutely 100% As clear. As people turn this podcast off. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> I don't I don't like Golden Eerie. Twilight Zone. I, I don't know. That video wore on me as a kid and I just don't I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. The same way Armageddon it doesn't work for you. Twilight Zone doesn't work for me. All right, you'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Cracking the top 20, Aerosmith's Loving an Elevator. Now, I gave it a two. You gave it a four. I'm just not a huge Aerosmith fan. I was surprised this song got to number five, to be honest. 
Pad Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot comes in at 19. Uh, overall, you know, folks felt pretty good about this song. No yucks. You know, it's got a simple riff. It's got a great melody. It's got an underrated guitar solo. I would say this song probably defines her career. And then at number 18, Sticks With Too Much Time My Hands. We hit on a Can't Live Without Song For You. 14% of the people agree with you. Tommy Shaw obviously can sing. I don't understand why he's so underrated, to be honest. Uh, Good-looking guy. His solo stuff, I wish, would have just been a little bit better, maybe a little more rock, so he would have gotten noticed more. Uh, but I really like uh, Tommy Shaw. I know you do, too. I just I just wish more people knew him. So, sir, give me your comments on Loving an Elevator, Hit Me With Your Best Shot, and Too Much Time in My Hands. Aerosmith loving the elevator. I got burned out on this song, but listen to it again as I prepared for this episode. That's just a great song. I mean, period. It's a great song. Uh, So I stand by my rating of a four. I think it's a fantastic song. It was at the height of their on their way back kind of slope. Aerosmith's just one of those bands that you really have never really liked. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're an idiot sometimes. This would be one of them. Nice. Uh, Pat Benatar's hit me with the best shot. I remember calling the radio stations and requesting this song when I was a kid. I love this song. Uh, Stand by my four on that. So I have a theory behind why Tommy Shaw is not more well-known. And the simple answer is, is because Tommy was in a very big band with at least two other frontmen. Tommy split his time with Dennis DeYoung and JY as sort of being the face of sticks, right? So I think that's why Tommy isn't more well-known. I absolutely love Tommy Shaw. I was kind of surprised to see that he was the only writer of this song. This song is so much fun. Paradise Theater is probably a Desert Island record for me. I love Sticks. I love Paradise Theater, and I love Too Much Time on Your Hands. So that's why that got a number five for me. Yeah, I think the other thing that worked against Tommy is he didn't come out with a solo like rock record, but then he also didn't come out with this pop, heavy synth, melodic, Holly Knight, Diane Warren type song to put him on the charts either. You know what I mean? When he went solo. And I think both those things, he kind of went the middle route and that's bad. All right, next three songs. Bon Jovi's Lay Your Hand on Me. I cannot believe that you gave this song a five. It was 17th on the list. This is the worst song on New Jersey. For some strange reason, 24% of the people agreed with you. I think you're all wrong. There was a bunch of songs went number one for Bon Jovi. There was a reason this one didn't. You're so high. Oh, my God. This is the worst song on freaking New Jersey. The worst song on New Jersey. Oh, my God. You're freaking ridiculous. Number 16. Quiet Riot, Come On, Feel the Noise. Obviously, this album went number one. Our friends that took the survey liked it a lot more than we did because I gave it a yuck. You gave it a two. The song went to number five, but 21% of the people gave it a can't live without rating. I'm just surprised how well this song still resonates with people. And then 15, we both love this song, Round and Round by Rat. Although we've heard the song 2,400,000 times, I think it's still great. It got all the way to number 12. I'm actually very surprised by that, but most likely it was because of the video on MTV. I wish this rat was still around. The rat we got today is not so great. Give me your thoughts on the shitty lay your hands on me, (laughs) the come on field and noise and round and round. 
I don't even know. I oh my God. Sometimes it sounds like, like church. It's like lay so, your hands on me. I'm like I don't want to touch you. Oh my God. Sometimes I just don't even, I can't even talk to you or reason with you when you're so out of your freaking mind. Bon Jovi, Lay Your Hands on Me is a fantastic rock song. Love the riff in it. Love the kind of almost church-like preaching that goes on. I think it's a great song. I have no clue on earth why you would even claim that this is the shittiest song on uh, New Jersey when there are definitely a couple other really shitty stinkers on that record. Is it my favorite song on the record? Probably not, but I love that song. Quiet Riots, Come On, Feel the Noise. This song really doesn't do a whole lot for me. I'll be honest, I'm not a huge Slade fan. And to be honest, I'm not really a huge Quiet Riot fan. I know the record metal mental health, metal health, whatever. I know that was a huge album for rock and metal, breaking it on the charts and stuff like that. But to me, that record really is not that great. I don't like a ton of songs on that record. Uh, And I also feel that way about another album on this chart, but I'll leave that for later. Rat. Round and Round. So had this song, had I not been a little bit burned out on Round and Round, it would have probably gotten a five for me. I think it's a fantastic song. That record is a Desert Island record for me. It's a great song, so it got a four for me. Uh, Rat was definitely one of my top ten bands when I was in high school, and uh, this was part of that. With two can't-live-without ratings from the two of us and 24% of the folks who took the survey agreeing, and it got no yucks, this song got to number four but couldn't beat out Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes, The One That You Love by Air Supply, or Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield for the top spot. Written by Mick Jones, check out the great song by Foreigner called Urgent.
I told you earlier in this episode, Foreigner 4 is probably a Desert Island record for me. It was an important record my sophomore year in high school. Absolutely love Urgent uh, and love Foreigner 4. Fantastic record. Okay, so getting to the top 13, coming in at 13, Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. Now, this got interesting ratings because both of us were threes. Nobody gave it a yuck, but only 12% gave a can't live without. But it's a number 13 because a lot of people gave it a three and a four. So I would say, you know, as Cobras and Fire would say, perfectly rated, right? Number 12, very surprising. This is in the top 12, Poison by Alice Cooper. I got to say, 80s Alice is my favorite Alice, and this song's okay, but both of us gave it a two. And the surveys averaged three and a half from everybody else. Unbelievable. Very surprised, because that might be the worst song on that album. And then at number 11, both of us are huge Sammy fans. Sammy Hagar with Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy. This was his highest charting hit. Um, It only got to number 13. It had no chance at competing for number one. You're looking at Africa, Baby Come To Me by Patty Austin. I mean, there was no way Sammy was going to compete with some of those pop superstars. So give me your thoughts on Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy, Poison, and Heartbreaker. One of my very first Pat Benatar songs, Heartbreaker. I'm actually a little bit surprised I gave this a three and not a four or five. Uh, So I would definitely change that to a four or five. Absolutely can't live without Pat Benatar's Heartbreaker. Love, love, love that song. A little bit surprised to see that her nor Neil had anything to do with that song. I don't know who Jeff Gill and Clint Wade are, but they wrote the song. Alice Cooper's Poison. I've already told you before, I'm not a huge Alice Cooper fan. I'm just not. I think he puts on a great show. I think maybe it's his voice. I don't know. I don't love his music. Uh, There are definitely some of his songs that I like, but some of our friends are much bigger Alice Cooper fans. I stand by my two. I think it's okay. Sammy Hagar, Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy. Didn't necessarily love this song when it first came out, but over the years, the song has grown on me, and I think it's just pop rock beauty. This is such a great song. So we are at the top 10, and coming in at number 10, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts with I Hate Myself for Loving You. You know, I call her the female Sammy Hagar, and it isn't really sex the selling here. It's that she can kick your ass, and it makes her hot. So if you're into that sort of thing. And not that I am, just saying. Um, number nine, Billy Idol, Hot in the City. You know, we were at twos. I don't think the song is that great, but 31% of the people that took the survey says they can't live without it. And nobody gave it a yuck. I must be missing something here. Number eight, Lover Boy was working for the weekend. Great song. The television and film industries probably kept the song alive forever. Uh, 21% of the people say they can't live without it. The song only got to number 29. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest. It's much better than Hot in the City, that's for sure. So give me your thoughts on Hot in the City, working for the weekend, and probably Jen's personal anthem, I Hate Myself for Loving You. <laughs> you know it is. <laughs> she's gonna kick your ass <laughs> in vegas uh all right so let's start with the joan jet and the black hearts was let me ask you a question was i love rock and roll not on this list i love rock and roll was joan jet's only number one hit so how come that's not on this list because these cur- are not number one were you oh, not that's listening right. the last okay. hour <laughs> yeah yeah okay sorry i had a brain fart there okay <laughs> 
All right, never mind. Back to back to reality. I like this song. It's it's just a great uh, song, and you know that's the first time I've ever heard you mention that she's kind of the female Sammy Hagar. But that sort of makes a lot of sense. I mean, she's definitely a little bit more punk, but I mean, they were both in bands early on in their careers. They both went solo, so I mean, that's not that far off. I Hate Myself for Loving You, one of the many Joan Jett songs that I absolutely love. Uh, And she's still great live. I saw her recently, and she still puts on a great show, although I'm really, really hating the fact that she did all this plastic surgery because she just looks weird now to me. She got Michael Jackson syndrome when he did all the plastic surgery. She just doesn't look good to me. Billy Idol, Hot in the City. Is this... I see that he was the writer. Did Nick Gilder cover this song at one point in time, or was this covered by somebody else at one point in time? Do you know? Yeah, I think later on. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I listened to this song again today. It's I stand by my two. Uh, much better Billy Idol stuff than this one. Uh, Lover Boy's Working for the Weekend. I actually prefer Hot Girls in Love, but Working for the Weekend, like you said, man, it's been kept alive for so many years by radio and, and TV, and uh, it's Lover Boy, so how can you go wrong? I stand by my three on this one. So at number seven, let's spin the ultimate party band of the 80s. A lot of four and five ratings for this song. 24% of our friends can't live without it. So let's take a listen. Poison. Here is 1988's Nothing But A Good Time.
So here's a little bit of a personal story with this song. I love nothing but a good time. I think it's just a fun song. I love the riff. It just you know, makes you feel good. So, you know, when you get married and you get introduced by the DJ or whoever for the first time uh, and you come out, you know, that's kind of like a, it's a wedding thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. My wife and I, for the first time, were introduced and came out to this tune. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I would have came. If she had to do it over again, she'd pick, I hate myself for loving you. Nah, it's just a fun time. It was a fun, uh, the lyrics resonated. It was all about having a good time. And, and so I stand by that and it was fun. Uh, the rest of the wedding party came out to, uh, for those about to rock, we salute you. So my wedding kicked ass, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All righty then. Okay, so number six, we're going to spend a minute on this song here. David Lee Ross, Just Like Paradise. Now, nobody gave it a yuck. I gave it three, you gave it a four. But this song, to me, isn't something super special. I mean, I love Vi's playing, and maybe it's Vi's playing that's getting it to number six, but the vocal melody's okay. It got all the way to number six on Billboard in 88. That's a... Are you surprised? So here's what I'll say about David Lee Ross, Just Like Paradise. When it came out, I hated it. After Eat em and Smile, this was what got released after Eat em and Smile. I wasn't a big fan of this song at all. Over the years, as I've listened to this song, as I've listened to this record, it has grown on me, or I have grown. I've said it before a lot of times. To me, music's not a science. Music is all about emotions. Music is all about how any particular individual feels at any particular given time when they listen to a song. They can hate a song one minute. They can love a song another minute. It just depends. Just like Paradise for me invokes, again, and I hate to sound like a broken record because I've said this on a few songs already, but it makes me feel good. It's a happy song. And so just like Paradise is just sort of a positive vibe when I listen to it. I can hear just like Paradise sitting on the beach with a drink in my hand. I love it. Top five, number four and five also surprised me. They're both Guns N' Roses songs. Number five was Paradise City. Four was Welcome to the Jungle. You know, I get it, but wow, people are not tired of these songs, which just totally surprises me that people don't get tired of Guns N' Roses just all the way around. I mean, they hit the top five back to back. How do you feel about these two songs today? Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City. Appetite for Destruction is lightning in a bottle, my friend. Have you ever heard anybody that was like, I hate Guns N' Roses or I hate Appetite for Destruction? No, I mean, you know, you might hear somebody trying to be ultra cool say it, but Guns N' Roses is not my favorite band, but damn, that album's one of the best albums I own, that's for sure. Now, for me today, as we talk about this record today, I would flip Paradise City and Welcome to the Jungle, and that's probably just from a burned out factor. I, I love both the songs. I love the album. It's a Desert Island record, I think, for both of us. But I just prefer uh, if you said, hey, I'm going to play one song, Paradise City or Welcome to the Jungle. Which do you want to hear? I would rather hear Paradise City. We are at the top three. Number three, Van Halen, Why Can't This Be Love? So this is a I Can't Live Without song for me. 31% of the people agreed with me. You were a two. 
I'll give you time to defend yourself here in a couple of minutes. But the song got all the way to number three. Couldn't pass out Pet Shop Boys' West End Girls. Couldn't pass Whitney Houston's Greatest Love of All. There's no reason to hate this song. There's a reason to hate Pretty Woman. There's not a reason to hate this song. And at number two, another I Can't Live Without song for me, and 43% of the people who took the survey agreed with me, Hearts, What About Love from 1985. This was actually a cover from 83 from like this band called Toronto in Canada. I didn't know that until just recently. But I was surprised that you were only a three on What About Love, and you gave a two to Why Can't This Be Love. What's wrong with you, dude? These are top three with our fans and listeners here. What did I just say about music? It's not a science. It's about emotion. Why can't this be love? So I'll explain what my feelings are on this song. Problem that I have with this song is the keyboard just is cheesy sounding. I don't love it. Uh, I don't hate this song. Uh, a two is it's okay. I didn't say it's yuck. Way better songs on 5150 than this tune. So that's where I stand with the Van Halen song. Why can't this be love? What About Love is a great song, but it is somewhat of a ballad for me. That's why it's uh, number three for me. I would give Who Will You Run To a four before I gave a four to this song, and that's just my personal feeling. So we are at number one, the winner with two can't live without ratings from us. 33% of the collective population agreed. No yucks. It only got to number eight at its height on the Billboard 100. It couldn't beat out Down Under or Africa either, just like a bunch of these other songs. Written by Steve Perry, Jonathan Kane. Here is the winner at number one, The Mighty Journey with Separate Ways.
dude <laughs> how can you go wrong with that song i mean it's an intense song love the the guitars you know it's just a great mixture of guitars and keyboards and then steve perry's vocals on top emotion complete just a great song i mean how can you not like separate ways would it surprise you to hear that journey has never had a number one hit uh yeah that would surprise me quite a bit actually the closest was number two and it was open arms wow so if you're thinking right now hey i didn't get to do this survey you can send me your email address if you want via facebook or twitter or email and we'll connect with you the next time we do a survey and we'll get you involved and then i also made a spotify playlist with all these songs so if you want to check that out it's called falling short of number one and that's like the hashtag number by me s-o-n-n-y-p-o-o-n-i It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, since we're talking 80 to 89, Kiss had 19 singles in those years and nine songs hit the charts. So let's put the X and Sex, believe it or not, hit the top 100 at number 97, Lick It Up at 66, Hide Your Heart at 66, Crazy Crazy Nights at 65, Reason to Live at 64, A World Without Heroes at 56, yes, Stupid Elder, Tears Are Falling at 51, Shandy was actually the best at number 47, but I didn't want to play Shandy because I don't need Steven like jumping into traffic after the show. So I'm going to play the number 49th ranked on the Billboard 100 from 1984 from Animalize, Here's Heavens on Fire.
So out of these Kiss songs, I like Let's Put the X in Sex. I like Lick It Up, which I'm tired of, but I liked it. Hide Your Heart, meh. Crazy Nights, I absolutely hate. Reason to Live, meh. World Without Heroes, no thank you. Tears Are Falling, probably the best song on this list. Heaven's on Fire, I like. And Shandy, meh. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like four of the tunes on this list. Tears Are Falling's great. I love Tears Are Falling, so. Yeah, for me, Let's Put the X and Sex is just fun. Lick it up if I never hear it again. will be too soon. Hide Your Heart is a great song, and if it wasn't done by Kiss, would have charted in the top 10. Crazy Crazy Nights is fine. Reason to Live, number one hit if it's done by Bon Jovi. World Without Heroes, stupid. Tears of Falling, awesome. Heavens on Fire, my entry to Kiss, love it. And Shandy, dude, if that's released by, like, Phil Collins in 82, number one hit. All right, so cool episode. We finally got done. Yeah, this was a fun episode. I know this is a lot of work for you, but I enjoyed doing this. I enjoyed just kind of kicking back and letting you run with <laughs> run with the ball on this one because just little or no prep for me. I just had to listen to these songs that I already knew, which was fun, man. It was fun to listen to a lot of this stuff that I hadn't listened to in so long. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody for being involved, especially if you filled out a survey. I know it took a few minutes and you probably I had to recollect some of these songs and you know maybe you're crazy like me and made a playlist and started listening to them but i appreciate you being involved and like i said if you want to be involved just uh hit us on either social media or hit us on the website and we will get you involved next time and uh we're gonna shuffle rattle and roll so uh thanks for listening later see ya get ready to shuffle rattle and roll play us out boys make sure you subscribe to our podcast growing up rock and leave us a review on itunes give us a like and leave us a comment on facebook at growing up rock it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.